Hi, this is Chuck Wright, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hi, this is Graham Bonnet, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, everybody out there. This is Pat Torpy from Mr. Big, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Chris Impelitary, and you are listening to the awesome Iron City Rock. Hey, this is Kiko from Megadeth, and you're listening to Iron City Rock with Joan. Welcome to episode 492 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 492, two special guests joining us for the first time from Megadeth, Kiko Lorero, will be on talking about the new album, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. Uh, tremendous chart success, real uh, strong first week performance by Megadeth on the charts. Uh, so we're going to talk about that album, what went into it, uh, the tour there, wrapping up with Five Finger Death Punch, plans for next year, and more. And then joining us in just a little bit, uh, one of the great guitar players, totally underrated in the United States, Chris Impelitary, is going to be joining us talking about a new compilation that the band has now that they've got the uh, original masters of their material back in their possession. They've put out a, a stunning three-CD collection to kind of bring the entire world up to the same level of uh, accessibility to Impelitary's catalog. So we'll talk to Chris in just a little bit. Again, I mentioned The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead from Megadeth. The album came out in September. It's done tremendous for them. Charted, I believe, in the top three in the United States, which matches the previous Grammy-winning album. Kiko's been in the band since 2016. Uh, As we talk about in the interview, you know, he was kind of brought in during the recording process of, of the previous album, Dystopia, obviously the album went on to win a Grammy. So, uh, you know, tremendous success. And then this album with an extremely song, strong uh, number three on the Billboard uh, rock chart. Uh, I should say the Billboard 200 chart. The rock chart actually went to number one. So very strong performance, did great all over the world, as you'd expect from Megadeth, his ravage. Uh, metal fans all over the world, so great to see that. Kiko, uh, certainly more involved in this album. Uh, you know, we, they've learned more about him as a player. He's learned more about them as musicians. So we're going to talk to him all about that. So let's play a little from The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. We'll talk to Kiko Lorero. Concealed in the night from the light of the moon Undetected between the heavens, the stars, and the seas they seize the night when it's dark like inside a tomb Failing their flat black body armor gleams Light it up from verdict to deliverance to retribution To the very last beat of a dead man's pulse You can hear the thunder roll My pleasure. You Welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have on the line Kiko Lurero. How are you doing, Kiko? How are you, John? All great, uh, man. I am fantastic. Um, you guys are just a couple of weeks into the new album, The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. Um, 
can you kind of contrast this from dystopia? I've seen a lot of people try to give their take on it, but it is, as a musician, how do you see this album as different than the, the previous? All right. So for me, the biggest difference is the time that I have in the band. Mm -hmm. So I started, uh, I, I do have some collaborations with Dave um, on the Stopia album, three songs there, but I was, I joined the band uh, already inside the studio, right? So I didn't, I knew the band as a fan, as a, you know, from the outside, right? So um, during the process of recording, I was trying to understand as fast as I could, you know, Dave, his way of uh, creating music, uh, you know, people from the studio, the whole thing, you know. Uh, but now, after Dystopia and after, uh, you know, seven years touring, getting to know uh, Dave, the band, the catalog, you know, playing the old songs, you know, all that helps so much when it comes um, for this creative process of, you know, writing new songs. Because now I understand deeply uh, the band, the songs, right, the catalog, Dave, and the, um, the fans, like, from different places, right, from different ages, from different countries. So, yeah, it's much easier. It just uh, creates this uh, great environment that, it, you know, I can collaborate with Dave in a way that he feels like, okay, he can understand what I want, you know. So that's why I have eight eight songs that I collaborate collaborated with Dave. Is it easier at this point? You know, you mentioned you know the number of years that have gone by to to kind of assert more of your natural style of playing as opposed to I'm sure you know going into a session you know with Dystopia you're probably under a little bit of a a pressure to kind of play what you think Megadeth should sound like, which, uh, you know, we all kind of have that idea in our head, but is it a little easier now, you know, that you've, you've been around, you've, you guys have been around the world together to, to play like Kiko as opposed to how Kiko sees Megadeth. Yeah. It's, it's a mix of that, you know, because I had to be, you have to find this, the sweet spot that, you know, uh, it's not like what please the fans or please Dave is like, what is Megadeth? You know, we have a, it's a band, a band is a concept, you know, any band, mm -hmm. if you think about it, you know, Motorhead or, you know, any band like Led Zeppelin or Scorpion, um, there's a concept behind, there's a specific sound for that band. That's why people follow that band. Mm -hmm. So you have to find uh, ways to sound like Megadeth, but also propose something different or modern. Right or special, or, or, and this can be with different new elements. Um, it can be mixing uh, elements from the past as well, you know, so Megadeth uh, has a very clear style in the 80s, and then in the 90s, it's a bit different, you know, mm -hmm. uh, when the band went from the clubs to the big stages, um, songwriting process was, uh, was pretty different. So now we have all this, to mix them up, you know, those ideas. And also my style of playing, composing. So yeah, so it's a, it's a combination of everything. There's no one way to do things, you know, to create songs. It's just this combination, figuring out the best for the band in 2022, you know, 
right. uh, considering what is happening now, uh, what is the band, what the band did in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, etc. Was it um, a little bit daunting following the Grammy? I mean, to kind of live up to that, you know, you're, you're now Grammy award winning Kiko Lurero as opposed to yeah, Kiko yeah. Lurero of Angra, you know, yeah, which yeah. is what yeah. everyone knew you, you know, that, that's yeah. a, it's a wonderful thing, but it's also a, a bit of a, you know, kind of looms large over the next album. Was, was that ever a discussion? Not really. No. I mean, we knew that, uh, I think the way I think this, and uh, I'm, I'm almost positive they would say the same, uh, we knew Dystopia was really well accepted by the fans, right? So it's, a, it's considered a great album you know, by the fans. So how can we create new songs also to be accepted by the fans the same way or even better? You know, I think that's the, and then, and we know that, I mean, we, I cannot say we know, but we, we, we try to um, imagine that um, if we, if, if, because we are the, our worst, critics right we are ourselves you know the band mm -hmm. so if we do if you create a song that we 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 are really excited about it we kind of we have this feeling that we know the fans will love you mm -hmm. so in the end it's all about we have to be happy we have to think this song is amazing you know and then we record the song we try our best to to capture that um, creative uh, you know, putting that create creative uh, riffs or ideas into like a well-produced song. And then, then we trust that the fans will also love that. And then a Grammy might come along, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I think like we think a, a lot about us, like to, we have to be satisfied. First of all, since the very early stages, like playing a guitar riff, is this cool or not? Yes, it is. Okay, next. You know, so since the early stages to the, to the, sorry, uh, to the, yeah, to the final moment that you record, right? And when you, and then this, this moment that you have to show to the fans, you know, uh, the songs. And this album was uh, special because we started working on the songs in, in the 2019, right? And then um, cancer, uh, they had the cancer, right? It's a cancer treatment that kind of postponed uh, all the works. And then pandemic that made it so difficult for us to travel, to get together, to record the album. So it was a long period of, you know, we had the songs, we had the ideas. It was just so hard. And then finally, the songs, you know, the album was released now in September. And then it was a it's a great feeling of relief and also like super this great expectations like what the fans will think about those songs you know when when you have to wait that long for an album to kind of see the light of day is it you know do you do you listen to it much from the time you guys kind of kind of you know finish the mastering for example do you do you listen to it much in that period of time or is it, you know, when it came out, you kind of put it back on and, you know, and, and kind of evaluate it from a different perspective than when you were actually making it? 
I think this, uh, because of those, uh, you know, uh, because of pandemic and the cancer, that gave us a lot of perspective on the song. Yeah. So I think in the, in the end, it was good. You know, I was, I was too long, but, um, but it, it has a, that's a good side of it because you, you create the songs and then you just get away for a while. Then you come back. It's like, oh, then you have a different perspective, you know, fresh ears. You listen again. It's like you fix something, you change something, and then another wait. You know, pandemic, whatever. Drums were recorded. Then you have to record the drums. You have, um, then you can tweak again when recording the drums. Then when recording guitars, you can tweak again the idea. So, because you have, and then during the pandemic, we didn't know how long it would take. Uh, you know, for the pandemic to end you know, to be able to release the album and to go on tour. So that gave us time to go back, you know, um, to refine things, you know, um, to re-record some stuff. Yeah, so in a way, it uh, was helpful. But we never know if, if you would have like three months, maybe yeah. the result would be the same, you know, hard to know. Are, are you a musician who has a hard time kind of, saying okay it's perfect or it's it's good enough you know what we've got on tape is is what it's going to be or are you a person who has to you know is constantly kind of noodling up until the moment they say kiko you got to stop you know you're done you know or, you uh know it depends it depends but uh i can't say like davis is this guy like you man you got to stop man you're like this is you know that's it you know dave is like super super into like fixing all the little things always trying new things yeah uh, what if we change the riff a little bit you know just a bit more muted or mm-hmm. bit this chord, just this one chord uh, just a bit more open you know just like tiny tiny little things you know um yes yes dave yeah. is like 100 percent, like a thousand percent like this and then uh, I'm a bit, I'm a bit like this, but sometimes, I mean, having David by my side, which uh, is here now, um, um, yeah. So he's like ten times more than me. So <laughs> yeah, I imagine you know the, the advent of the technology is is it's becoming music. You know, it's so so much cheaper to go in and continue to fiddle. You know, where you weren't going to tape and you know renting these expensive studios by the hour. Um, you know, you can you've got because a little bit. Today. Yeah, because today now with um, technology, it gives you the chance to come back six months later yeah, and start from the same point, you know, because back in the days with analog tapes, you know, and, uh, you know, expensive studios. So uh, different, it was completely different, you know, to recall, right? So now it's everything's in, in a computer. You can recall exactly the same, like all the parameters you know of a recording mm-hmm. and then uh, like guitars is kind of a, uh, a difficult thing right because if um, even if you use the same amp or the same guitar maybe the strings are a bit newer or whatever it feels it sounds a bit different but you can always uh, reamp the guitar so you can record in, in throughout months and then you can uh, and then the guitar might sound a little bit different because you feel different because that amp, whatever, is sounding a bit different that day. You know, like those uh, magic things that we don't understand sometimes. Although, you know, but then you can in the end reamp and then 
go um, use the use the guitar DI signal uh, mm-hmm. through a, an amp at once, and then put all together with the same guitar tone. So, so this this is endless the possibilities that what the technology brings to us, uh, and then this helps this thing of like always trying to fix and correct and re-recording because you know it's possible yeah i mean in the 80s it was not possible you know it's like it's done it's done you know so that's a that's you have to find this balance again because sometimes it's good to be like all right i feel good about it let's trust that feeling that's mm-hmm. it because it doesn't mean that if you keep like fixing fixing correcting and changing and changing it's for it's going to be better. It doesn't mean because sometimes like the, the energy of one take uh, the, or the first take that you're like super excited and fresh you play is yeah. like all you there and then with some imperfections and then that's why like great albums Zeppelin, Queen or you name it, you know, there's like a lot of imperfections but, yeah, you know, amazing stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, was created. So we have to find okay, let's correct something let's fix let's let's see if you're not losing the soul you know or that yeah. you know that mainly for solos you know let me tell you solos i tend to uh play you know and i know dirk for drums the same way try to record the song uh, the, the full song you know not like breaking up in parts or like fixing things just try to play a great take. Just practice like good old times. Practice as much as you can and be prepared and just record like maybe four or five times the song, but always from the beginning to the end. Right. So have this energy also kind of otherwise you start losing this you know, human <laughs> yeah, human, you know. When you do a song like that, you know, multiple takes, how often would you say you end up back on your first take, you know, kind of going with that energy? Uh, I don't know because so many songs. The, the 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 guitar, the drums. I understand you can do that, but the guitar, the way we we record, because we have two guitar players, right? Right. And then uh, both of us, we record two tracks, so we have four tracks of guitars. So it has to be very precise because okay, I, I was the one. Uh, most of the songs, I was the one recording the rhythm first. So I record first. Then I double. So I have to I have to play exactly the same way, you know. Mm-hmm. And then Dave comes and play on top of my guitar. And then he doubles his guitar. Sometimes the way he plays will be a bit different. So I have to go back to my take and kind of change a bit to be closer to the way Dave plays. Sure. Um, in other situations, some other bands, you know, situations that I, I play in the past, we, uh, we, you know, we wouldn't do that. It would be like the same person recording, recording the guitar, not two different players, because it's very hard to, to put two different players to play exactly, exactly the same. Sure. But Dave likes that, which is cool, sounds better, you know, for guitars. And you have like, you know, we ha- we try to play as close as possible, but you're not the twin. We're not twins, so it's gonna be different, you know, uh, it, right? So then it, it creates like a special 
special tone because of this uh, almost perfect, you know. Yeah. Because if it's yeah. perfect, then you have like uh, problems of uh, um, cancellation, frequency yeah. cancellations. So it cannot be perfect. It has to be played as perfect as possible, but it's, it's not perfect. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's why you have to do in parts. You have to do in parts the guitars. The solos you can you can try to do like one take and then kind of fit, you know do you improvise several times and then you um, you choose the best one you know with a better vibe you know the great feeling right at the moment there's so like oh that's the that's the one and then maybe but maybe there's like a, a scale run that's not so clean and then you decide should I keep it not so clean but has a vibe or should I go there and play cleaner and trying my best not to lose the vibe and then you can fix some little things you know um mm. yeah vocals the same you know vocals then is a different different game as well you know sure kiko you guys are, are on the road with five finger till i believe into about mid-october do you guys have plans i, I know you have a one-off in mexico is are you guys still kind of charting out 2023 or, or will there be more do you know in 2022 um no but with 2022 we have um just this mexico festival after this tour right mm -hmm. uh, actually we played a lot this year sure we did uh the, the metal tour of the year uh, around 30 concerts right like almost two months then we did european festivals european summer festivals was another uh, 35, 40 days in Europe. And then now it's a, it's a very long tour com combined with the release of the album, some signing sessions, interviews, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so over, over two, two months. So, yeah. So now we have this uh, one month and a half uh, back home, but of course still doing a uh, promotion for the album. We have uh, music videos coming up, right? Um, continuing continuing the trilogy of the three the three videos that are uh, out already right mm -hmm. uh, we'll right we'll be back night stalker um, and then um, and then we we have another three coming up but next year we do have Japan announced we do have uh, summer summer festivals in Europe announced. And then the other dates are not announced yet because, you know, uh, we just announced when it's 100%. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think. In but yeah, so it's, it's a new cycle. So, of course, we're, we're planning to play next year a lot. Yeah, you didn't get much time between the last cycle and the new cycle. So, yeah, you, you take, a, take exactly, a few weeks yeah. off and yeah. charge the batteries a little. Yeah. Well, Kiko, I want to so, thank you so much. Again, the sick, the dying, the dead available now. Hopefully we'll see you guys uh, before long. I know we were blessed to see you guys twice in 2022. So look forward to your returning yeah. as soon as possible, man. Thank you, John. Thanks a lot. AEG in association with Turner Classic Movies presents John Mellencamp. Live and in person, 2023. May 22nd and 23rd at Benedum Center. Reserved seats on sale now at Mellencamp.com. All right, special thank you to Kiko Larrero. 
Again, The Sick to Dying and the Dead has been out for about a month now. Released September 2nd, goes in a blink of an eye. That album came out, went to number three here in the United States on the 200. Uh, that's the any music genre chart, in case you're wondering, did number one on the rock chart. So great to see Megadeth continuing to have amazing success. They had just been through Pittsburgh on their tour with Five Finger Beth Bunch. Uh, had been in Pittsburgh earlier, I believe it was January, February, they played the Peterson Event Center. So I don't think it'll be too long before we see Megadeth again in the Berg. So wish them all the success in the world. going to turn our attention now to a band, a uh, gentleman who joined us a few years ago, uh, Blink of an Eye again, I think it was 2018, Chris Impelitary, of the amazing band Impelitary, which I've been a fan of. As, as I was talking to him, uh, somebody handed me a TDK version of Stand in Line in 1988, and I was hooked. So here we are in 2022. Uh, the band has released Wake the Beast, the Impelitary Collection, or I should say the Impelitary Anthology, if I get that correct. Three CDs covering the whole gamut of their material. Uh, all the albums that were either impossible to find, you know, depending on where you're listening to this in the world, some of the albums were never released in certain countries. Some of them, as in with my copy of Stand in Line, is on this nasty dubbed cassette that uh, I'd be happy if I could find it. So it's awesome to get a chance to get all this music uh, in a nice, neat package. And as he talks about, you know, the plan is to re-release these albums. Uh, you know, now that the masters are all theirs, they can do with what they will, make the money off of them that they should. A band that's enjoyed tremendous success, actually. You know, a lot of people... As Chris and I were talking, kind of felt sorry for Impelitary. You know, why didn't they have the great success that a lot of the other metal bands had in the 80s? Well, they did. They did. They just didn't do it in the United States. And, and we talk about that, so it's really interesting. I want to uh, thank him very much for coming on. So we're going to play a little Impelitary. We'll talk to Mr. Chris Impelitary. <laughs> Full of 
my pleasure to welcome back to Iron City Rocks. We have Chris and Pelletieri on the line. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, John, and uh, thanks for having us. Greatly appreciated. Oh, our pleasure, absolutely. I, I was talking to your publicist, and I I remember picking up a cassette in 1988, and just having my head blown away um, by what I was hearing. Uh, with the uh, Stand in Line album, and here we are. I don't even want to do the math on how many years later uh, you're releasing a, a gigantic <laughs> compilation, Wake the Beast, uh, the Impelitary Anthology, and it, it's it's wonderful to see and, and to look back at the amount of music you've made in the meantime. Um, can you talk a little bit about you know why it, it the you know 2022 was kind of the the point where you put this kind of compilation together? Yeah, it was really about ownership of our masters. You know, once the legal rights reverted back to us, we had the autonomy or freedom to now release the music that we weren't able to distribute in many parts of the world. So, you know, as as soon as we were certain that we could do this, we immediately kind of initiated a game plan to figure out what are the songs that our fan base right around the world that they really seem to embrace, the songs that they love, and let's share that music with all the countries where our product was not distributed because mm-hmm. of legal reasons. So that's kind of how this conceptually um, came about, to be honest, was really getting our music that's been unheard to the masses. Was because it, to them, it's brand new. Yeah. It, was it the timing of this, and this is going to sound odd maybe as a question, but the pandemic probably gave you and almost every musician out there some time stuck in at home. Was that kind of a, a help to getting a project like this? Because I'm sure there was, you know, you want to make these songs sonically sound like they belong together, you know, and I'm sure recording technology and mastering and things like that from 1980X to, to now is, is quite varied. So, you you know, you want an album that doesn't sound like some songs are 30-plus years old and some are brand new. Do you, do you have to kind of work through some of those and remaster things? Actually, so let me go to the first part of your question. The pandemic, we actually, halfway through the pandemic, started writing our new record that I'm actually literally today in the middle of the studio recording for the band, which will be released probably getting closer to middle of 2023 or, I'm sorry, summer of 23, and then we're going to tour. But having said that, going back to second question, I think where you're going with this, did we remaster? Absolutely not. You know, I didn't want to make the mistake I've seen other bands do, a lot of these records, with the exception of maybe the first two, we were much poorer. We didn't have a lot of money. It was really like put up room mics and play live. But the body of work that we've done, meaning the impelitary records, like you know, going from victim of the system all the way through the current stuff, you know, we spend a fortune making these records. We hire the best engineers. We work mm-hmm. in the big studios. We track as much of it live so you capture that power and energy of the band. And then, of course, after we mix it with the great mix engineers, then we go to the best mastering guys, right? Hmm. So there's no way in hell, and I mean that in a loving, humble manner, that we were going to touch that. I mean, I think we got it right. Now, that's going from, like, victim of the system on. Hmm. The first two records, I didn't want to corrupt that either because when we did the Impelitary Black EP, which is our very first release, Mm -hmm. and if if people are unfamiliar with it, you can hear songs like Lost in the Rain. It is such a cheap recording. It sounds like it, which is what we did, we went into a studio in Hollywood, California called Babyo Recording Studio, and I'll never forget it. 
And we basically would start playing at like midnight on because we didn't have any money. We had to do these really cheap hourly rates. And we had to play a lot of it live. So you put up these really expensive, nice room mics, and you just went for it. And what I love about that EP to this day, it's so raw sounding. But the magic is what it, we captured on tape, which is us playing live. You know, and you just don't get that. So for us to go in and remix it and, and in some way bastardize it, I thought, oh, no, that's not what we should do, you know. And, and Stand in Line, there was that thought, but Stand in Line, unfortunately, we didn't have the masters. So that we couldn't touch. Okay. So was it, do you but, still but have the to... body of work, like... <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if you listen to, like, Victim of the System into Perfect Crime, which is how the anthology starts, sonically, those are two different mixing guys, Right. One mm-hmm. is Mike Tachi, who does Victim of the System, and Mike did the entire Black Metallica record, right, with Andrew Sandman. He did that with Bob Rock. He was the engineer. So he's the guy engineering and mixing Victim of the System. Then we go in and we do Perfect Crime, which is song two, which at that time, a producer named Mudrock, who had done Godsmack and um, Avenged Sevenfold, was probably the claim to fame. Sure. Um, and Which is a completely different sonic structure to it, but I like the way it kind of... it. it Sonically, it changes. It kind of takes you on an adventure without everything sounding too uniform, if that makes sense. Sure. Do you, do you have to kind of still play with the levels? Because, you know, if you, you, you digitize, you know, a 1980X CD or, you know, cassette, you know, usually you see there's way, way, way less compression. Did you kind of have to, to, to at least do a little in that regard, or is it just... As is. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think they did play a little bit about the levels. And I have to be honest, I wasn't there when they were doing that mm-hmm. part of it. But yeah, I believe they were trying to do level matching. But that's really hard because look, when you listen to the new Impelitary records, even mm-hmm. going on Victim of the System on, there's so much depth, mm-hmm. right? I mean, first of all, I remember even like Victim of the System, the EP, when we recorded that, I remember we um, we tracked a lot of the stuff live. So you're you're basically recording organic drums. Right? right, where you've got dead mics on the kicks and the snares and the toms and all that, and you got your room mics. And what happens is, as we capture the band, what we often do is we say, all right, well, let's layer this. Let's maybe add another, you know, like a doubled guitar, right? So it gets right. thicker, just to make sure the right. sonic um, integrity is there. The problem that when you do that stuff, all of a sudden the guitars get big, and now you got to make the bass bigger. Now the bass gets bigger, now the kick drum sounds small. So then you got to add a sample to the kick drum. And so when you listen to our records, they're really, at least the new stuff, it's pretty powerful, Very yeah. and a lot of depth to it. So, you know, even if we were to level match on those songs versus with a black EP, there are no samples. I mean, that is just a live band playing. So it would be very difficult just to match levels and get that same sonic quality. Yeah, the um... Plus it actually may diminish the performance. Yeah, you're, you're entirely right. It's, it's interesting to hear that, you know, you kind of... And I think sometimes you you want it. I know in in some of the Led Zeppelin, you know, remasters, remixing all that stuff. You know, you go back and you're like, it doesn't sound like the same song to me anymore. You know, and maybe that's just a yeah because you've heard it a certain way for as long as you remember yeah. it. You know, and then all of a sudden you're like, I didn't realize there was that part was even in there, or it was you know so muddied in the mix you didn't hear it. And now they brought it up and cleaned it up, and it just sounds almost wrong. I guess it is odd as that is to yeah. say. So, yeah, You're right. absolutely right, John. Think about what Ozzy did years ago, right? He replaced um, the bass and drums yeah. right, on the first two records. It's like, what are you doing? 
I listened to that, and although I'm sure, you know, what was it, Robert, whatever his name is from Metallica, played bass Three, on it. Yeah. And I'm sure he did a fine job trying to mimic Bob Daisley's parts. But at the end of the day, I listened and went, no, something's wrong. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think their engineer talked about it in an interview, said something to the effect of, well, Randy played ahead of the beat, which is very much how I play as well, right? So when all of a sudden they were trying to play with Randy, right, now everybody's playing ahead of the beat, at least the bass and guitars, right? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden the feel completely changes. The average listener may not know why it doesn't sound right, but but it's a technical issue. Yeah, it's just, and, and you, you, it becomes, like I said, so ingrained in what you expect to hear that you know you're probably wise to leave well enough alone. You know, I, I don't, you know, it worked, it worked in its day, it works now. So the the next question I think when you look at any compilation, even the one you did in 2002, is how do you look at 30 years worth of material and say here's what makes the cut we want to add some you know kind of tasty you know other b-side type things but you know we need to give the fans what they expect you want to put your favorites i'm assuming you know you know the rest of the guys at the band you want rob's you know songs that kind of showcase who you know he might like um how do you make that call it's like picking kids i did you know it's funny you just said that Virtually every interview I've been doing for this, it is very much like that. It's like, how do you pick your favorite child? Mm-hmm. I love both my daughters equally, right? And it's the same thing with your songs. Um, there are certain songs where, you know, the pride factor comes in and says, whoa, I, I don't know how I played that solo. That was awesome, yeah. right? Um, so we certainly have those elements. Same thing with Rob. Like, dude, how'd you do that? That mm-hmm. was almost inhuman. Um, but really, I think what gave us a competitive advantage going into this was, you know, we've been touring a lot in places like Japan, certain places in continental Europe, right? And over the years, you know, you kind of see which songs made the most impact on our fans. Like, you know, when, you, when you're playing in front of ten or 20,000 people at some of these shows, you look out in the audience and when every, every word is being reiterated, I mean, they're singing every line with you. They're smiling just as soon as the song starts. You kind of know, oh, these songs must really resonate with them, right? Um, and, and it's interesting, what we did on this record is to go a little further, we would go on places like YouTube, right? And, and like our, our fans, whatever, they would kind of rip files and maybe upload a song or two to YouTube. And what we would do is we'd go in and read the comments section. And so, you know, if we heard comments like, oh my God, this is the greatest band ever, why aren't they bigger, blah, blah, blah. You think, oh, that song must have resonated or touched a positive nerve, mm-hmm. right? Where they like it versus if we read comments and people are like oh my god this band sucks what is why do people think they're good you know then you're probably thinking probably not the right song <laughs> <laughs> you know so they, yeah that was it was really just trying to you're absolutely right yeah I'm it, sorry, it, no that's it's okay uh, i was just saying you're absolutely right and, and some of it i think is just you know you can't please all the people all the time but yeah you're you've you've obviously you know you kind of sense trends in in comments and you know, in the YouTube posts and things, you know, that you, you know, sometimes you probably want to avoid them, but when you do read them, you know, you certainly can get a sense for what people are really into, especially, you know, which songs touch the fans uh, the most. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and listen, we're, I mean, believe me, we're no stranger to criticism. I mean, we embrace criticism. We learn from it because there are a lot of times where critics in the past have been pretty brutal on us, but then in hindsight, I, as I grow older and I get more mature, I realize, oh, they were right, you know? So sometimes we take that with a, you know, almost like a, a backhanded, you know, 
slap to the head, but also realizing it's an opportunity to maybe improve. So, you know, over the years, a lot of the stuff we've got, we got right. I know it, you know, I mean, I, I listen back to some of the music now with a lot of clarity and go, wow, how do we do that? That was really good, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is amazing when you go back and listen. And, and obviously, you know, certain types of music aren't for everybody. I think, you know, it's one of those types of music where, you know, for me, I got it. I got it immediately and never let it go and, and still, you know, treasure the albums. Where, you know, some people might say, okay, this is too much guitar, you know, or, or you know, whatever, or it's too metal or, you know. But, you know, I think the people who get it, get it. And I think that's, you know, it's a wonderful thing when you can make that connection, you know. Are there, there are songs that you listen to when you go back through this that you think, you know, like, that was, you know, like, how the hell did I do that? When you we listen to your own playing, you, do you ever have that at this point in your career? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times when I'm, when I'm writing music or, or even soloing, you know, when we're doing this live and capturing you know what it is we do musically there are a lot of times where i'll play a solo and it's it's being improvised and mm-hmm. i'll do something oh my god how did i do that god i hope i don't forget that you know um and, and all musicians have that all guitar players will tell you that you know there are just times where we're just fortunate enough to have the record button on when we play something magical you know i mean i listen i, I i'm not gonna i don't want to name drop right but um a couple friends of mine are very very well metal bands mm-hmm. and one guy um, sent me a text message a while back when he heard the, the guitar solo in Perfect Crime which is the second song he's like dude that's amazing and this guy is you know he's one of the best out there right mm-hmm. um, and I was really compliment or, or flattered that he said that um, and I listened back to the solo and yeah it was like <laughs> that's one of those things where just magic happens and the record button's on thank god do you ever have that happen and you end up regretting it because you have to then try to duplicate it or figure out what it is you did does that ever happen you know i'm fortunate that i play so often i play guitar probably you know eight hours every day even Mm -hmm. at this point in my career and i just love it so i've kind of built muscle memory you Mm -hmm. know which is kind of like when you do things in repetition you do it so often that inevitably it just starts happening on its own so when I do those kind of solos where I go, oh, my God, how did I do that? Am I going to be able to do it again? It usually comes back to me. You know, a lot of times I do have to get away from it cognitively. I, I, if I'm so focused on it, then it becomes a problem. But if I just free my mind and just play and enjoy it, it somehow falls back into place. And I see, oh, that's what I did. And then I get it. What you mentioned, the, the, the volume of practice, is that do you have, you know, none of us are getting any younger is it a point where you have to, to kind of tailor the amount of practice just for dexterity's sake, you know, as, you know, muscles get older and, you know, we're not all 18 anymore. Is that ever an issue for you? No, thank God. No, not at all. I I play and practice one because of my inherent discipline. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I love the instrument and, and, you know, look, for the most part, I'm somewhat of a shy person. Mm-hmm. And so the guitar allows me to express myself emotionally, right? If I get frustrated or angry at something, I can vent through my guitar playing, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's therapeutic for me. So, you know, luckily, I'm able to play just as fast as I could in the beginning, you know. But And by the way, 
the speed thing, I will say, is a little, uh, it's been a little beaten to death with us. Mm-hmm. People, the guitar players just go right to that thing and believe me. In some ways, I regret that because I know there's a lot more than just speed. I mean, if you listen to my solos, yes, they're often very fast, but they're also a lot of melodic content to those solos. And I do it intentionally. And, you know, also when we write music, we never start with, oh, this is about the guitar solo. It's about, no, it's about writing a great riff and having a really good chorus and a really good song. And then the solo is like the icing on the cake. Yeah. So, but anyways, back to your original question, you know, it's really, you know, I, I can pretty much do anything I could do as a kid, um, except I'm just much more mature now. And thank God my hands and my body are in good shape and I can do it all. Yeah. It's it's, it's what you mentioned about speed. Cause I, I mean, I think when I think of you as a player, I think one of the first songs that really comes to my mind is your interpretation of somewhere over the rainbow was one of the first things. And I don't think of that in the, to the, you know, kind of the shred realm because it had such beauty in how you played it. You know, the, you know, the melody, which is, you know, a melody we've heard a million times, but, you know, your interpretation of it, I think, was captivating, you know, it's, and that's not a, you know, I'm not thinking of that song in terms of, you know, boy, those arpeggios and, you know, he hit X number of <laughs> 16th notes or whatever. It's just beautifully done, you know, and that's, uh, that's, I think, well, one of the know, things that stay with me. Well, thanks. And I'll tell you a little secret, though. This is where maturity comes into play. When we did Somewhere Over the Rainbow, we were actually at the Record Plant, which is a very famous studio mm-hmm. in Hollywood, California, or in Los Angeles. And I'll never forget, we were two songs short for the album Stand in Line. And I was in the Record Plant with a drummer named Pat Torpy, who did the whole record. And yeah. God rest his soul, he's no longer with us. You know, he played with like Mr. Big and Robert mm-hmm. Plant from Zeppelin amazing drummer he was almost like a father figure on standard line record kind of guiding us um and so i remember we were in there and we're like oh my god what are we going to do we're in trouble because we're shy you can't turn in a record and you know not have enough playing time legally so i remember telling him i saw this guy in connecticut when i was a kid and he did an amazing version of somewhere over the rainbow but a rock version of it and i remember hearing before that of course richie, richie blackmore did a little bit of his interpretation before that but when we did it, we literally had about three or four hours to figure out the arrangement, do everything, and record it. So that song was done literally that quickly. Now, today, when I listen back to it, the shredding stuff, I love it. It's great. It's very unique where we went with the direction. But where I cringe a little bit is I really, the melody, I really wish it was more a slower, more melodic, beautiful vibrato. And actually, to be honest, I wish I would have played the melody line, you know, the main mm-hmm. main theme. Yeah. I wish I would have done it with a slide, because a slide would have been much more, um, I think it would have been much more dominant as far as being able to capture the beauty of the voice or, or the lyric, right? Because when you're playing it without the slide, to me, it's a little cold feeling, right? Mm-hmm. But it's funny, you know, we just, we played that at our last show before the pandemic, we headlined a show called the Busan Rock Festival in Korea. And um, it was funny. Our, our bass player couldn't go. He had visa issues. So Rudy Sarzo played bass for us. And we played. And I remember, there's you can actually Google this. It's on YouTube. I'm sorry, YouTube. So right. on YouTube, if you go in Pelletary, Busan Rock Festival, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, some kids put that footage up. And it is crazy what you'll witness especially at the end of the video when they pan out you're going to see i think something like 30,000 people came to see us and when we played summer over the rainbow the audience 
would sing every note, every huh. single note. They were crying. It was like we were just looking at each other, going, "My God, what are we witnessing?" It was incredible. I, I can't fathom it. Is you know, as someone who's tried to play the guitar and through life, what that expression? It's always to me amazing when you see a, a live audience sing the melody. Um, you know, and I, unfortunately, you don't see that a lot in the United but, States. But, yeah. But there, you know, it just tells you the song was yeah. so universally accepted. It, I don't know how much it really had to do with me as much as the arrangement, right? It was just such an institutionalized, well-known historic song. And, of course, we put our spin on it, right? Sure. Um, so, you know, over the years, I've heard other guitar players touch a little bit on it after I did it. But, um, you know, certainly been one of those marks that have been kind of stamped on us. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned your final performances before the, the pandemic, and, and those even included some some very rare U.S. gigs. Do you have plans to go back to the road? I know you said you're you're, you're getting ready to start on a new album. Is, is the road in the foreseeable future, or is it still a little too difficult with travel restrictions and immunization and paperwork and stuff like that to, to try to make something like that work? Well, the plan right now is, all right, so the anthology got released about a week ago. It's just being released now in Canada, places like that, and in Europe. So our plan right now is we've been in um, writing and recording the new record. We've been into this thing already for well over a year. We probably have another four or five months to go to finish. So what we're going to do is if we release the next Impelitary record, which will go out on Frontiers for Europe and America and then JVC for Asia, um, the plan is probably to do it around April of 2023 or, or towards summer, mm -hmm. and then starting in the summer of 2023, play every country, every place in the world that will have us. That's literally the plan, including the United States. But... So anybody that says come, as long as the venues are decent, right, and we can bring our production and do what we do, we're there. We're coming. Yeah, well, I, I hope hope that there's a groundswell of, of interest in the U.S. because that's, you know, I think back to, you know, the bands you've always wanted to see, and you're on a very short list um, of bands I've never had the opportunity to see, and it would be just so awesome to have, you know, you coming back now with this much of a catalog uh, to see you guys. Um, you, you mentioned getting your masters back in, in the compilation. Do you foresee re-releasing any of the individual titles as time goes on, or is that not really on the radar? Yeah. No, that, that's the plan. They're going to do that. First, the anthology, because the anthology represents kind of like the body of work that, you know, uh, our fan base have supported over the years and mm -hmm. really, really embraced. It's not that they haven't embraced other songs, right, on the, on the full-length records they have. But this just seems to be the stuff we hear over and over again about, like, oh, come on, play this live, play that. We love this song. It touched us in some way. So it kind of um, – we, we really wanted this to be the first impression because, remember, John – you know, outside of Japan and certain places in Europe, and with the exception of our most two our two newest records, right, Venom and The Nature of the Beast, a lot of this music is going to be brand new to yeah. a lot of people around the world that, you know, they think Impelitary is a disease. They don't even know yeah. they were a metal band. So for them, this is their first exposure to us. So it's really exciting for us, right? So, you know, that, that was the idea of why we did the compilation or the anthology first. Yeah, and that, and that's a great you know it's a, it's a 
you know, almost like a gateway drug. You know, we'll get, we'll get that, but we'll, we'll wet our appetite for some of the, some of the different eras of stuff. You know, hey, I forgot about that particular song, or I remember this album, but I didn't get to hear it all, or, you know, that was pre-Napster, or you know, you couldn't get it in, in whatever country. So yeah, it would certainly, I think, get people's appetite. Where where is the best place for you as an artist for fans to get this album? Is it something like if they go to impelitary.net, does that benefit you more or is is amazon as good as any other outlet to purchase oh yeah no i mean i just saw it someone just showed me on i think it was like my wife or daughter or whatever or my other daughter one of them showed me it's like yeah not only is it on amazon it's up at target i mean it's everywhere and no and as a matter of fact i don't even know if they put it up on our website yet um so we're really letting global rock which is this really cool label us doing the back catalog stuff um, they're really putting it through their distribution channels, but as far as I know, it's available everywhere. Awesome. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much, and we will be anxiously awaiting the, the new material, but this is, I think, a, a fabulous opportunity for those who maybe either you know, were aware of the albums in the early days, maybe lost track, or you know, just couldn't get their hands on this material to get this into our hands and, and whet the appetite and, you know, Pray that we see you in another year or so coming through the U.S. I want to thank you for your time, man. Yeah, well, listen, thank you so much for having us. I'm honored, humbled, and thank you for helping us promote this. All right, that about wraps up episode 492 of Iron City Rocks. I want to thank Chris and Pelletieri. Again, the anthology is available now. You can get that on Amazon, as he mentions, Target, which was kind of a fun thing. Wake the Beast, the Impelitary Anthology should tell you to head over to impelitary.net if you're a fan like I am. Uh, how cool is a stand-in-line t-shirt? I'll take that. That's a, cool, that's a cool thing. So check that out. Uh, wish them all the success, and boy, would it be awesome to see them in the United States. I think they, if you go to setlist.fm, there is less than 10 dates ever in the United States. So keep our fingers crossed that we'll get to see Chris and Rob and, and the band come back to the states and do a couple uh, home shows for a change also thank you to kiko Larrero. again megadus the sick the dying and the dead is available now everything you'd expect from megadeth and that's one of the awesome things as a fan of megadeth that we have come to be spoiled by i think quite frankly is that you don't get a scud megadeth album you know a lot of people panned rust in, in some of those era Megadeth albums, not me. I thought they were great. So I invite you to check that out if for some reason you haven't already. The Sick, the Dying, and the Dead is available now. Wake the Beast, the Impelitary Anthology, also available now. So two great slabs of, of rock metal and just guitar tastiness. So I invite you to check out our website, ironcityrocks.com. We'll have links to both of those albums and the band's websites. Also, we're on social media as forward slash ironcityrocks constantly telling you about all the concerts coming to western pennsylvania giving away tickets to those events poll questions all kind of great stuff so I invite you to become part of that follow us give us a like if you have something you want to chat about or a band that you're maybe interested in hearing more about uh, drop us an email ironcityrocks at gmail.com appreciate those letters uh, that come in with questions band suggestions maybe your band you know who knows let us know we'd love to hear from you Until next time, thank you for listening.